pastor and author, A.W. Tozer, once said this. He said, what comes into our minds when we think about God is the most important thing about us. What comes into our minds when we think about God is the most important thing about us. And I can attest just from my own personal walk, my own personal faith journey, this to be abundantly true. Now, before we just jump into the word and and I just speak for a few minutes, I wanna engage our hearts, engage our minds in this exercise. So whether you're here in this room or, or you're there at home online, I wanna invite you to close your eyes and we're gonna do this with the person of Jesus, the son of God, because it's where we're going in the text this morning. So what you think about God is the most important thing about you. I wanna actually invite you into this exercise. So close your eyes, whether you're here or you're at home, just wanna invite you to meditate upon who Jesus is to you. What emotions rise up within you when you picture Jesus? What images or feelings are most instinctual as you think about Jesus right now in this moment? Let me get a little more specific. When you think about the heart of Jesus, what comes to mind? When you think about the heart of Jesus, what comes to mind? If I were to have you right now just mentally write down two words on a note card to describe the heart of Jesus, which words would you write down? Now, I think the answer to this question is important at all times, but I think it becomes even more important in a wilderness moment or in a difficult season or in a moment that you weren't expecting when the circumstances around you seem to be unsteady and in some ways crumbling. Like the answer to this question becomes reality, not just theory, right? And so last week, what we did is we pressed pause on the series that we've been in in order to speak to the moment that we find ourselves in, both individually and as a church family. And so the reality is, is things are not like they used to be. I don't have to unpack that too much. But things are not yet how they're going to be. And so we found ourselves in this kind of odd in-between place, this wilderness moment, so to speak. And so we felt God just leading us to speak to the wilderness, When you find yourself in the, as Dave said last week, the untamed, the undomesticated, the unpredictable moments of life, much like the one we've been in and still kind of are in in a lot of ways. And so last week, Dave, he challenged us. He said, hey, don't simply avoid the wilderness. Don't forget the wilderness moments altogether, hand raised, right? But to learn from and remember what God has done and what God is doing, even in the midst of it. Because the wilderness moments, although none of us would ask for them, none of us would would pray them into our lives, even though we wouldn't ask for them, God has a grace for us even in the midst of them. And if you missed last week, Dave, he unpacked how God will use the wild, the untamed, unpredictable moments to test us to humble us, to teach us if we are willing to learn. So the wilderness, like it can serve a great purpose in our life. It does have a purpose. But you can't embrace the purpose and you can't embrace the potential grace unless you understand and know the heart of the one that's leading you while you're there. 
sometimes leading you there in and of itself. So you can't embrace the purpose, God's purpose in the wilderness, unless you also embrace his heart while you were there. You can't understand the purpose unless you also understand the heart. And I think we grit and we bear in order to understand the purpose without actually understanding the heart of the one that it's coming from. And so you can't receive the humbling that we talked about last week. You can't, you can't receive the testing unless you understand the heart of the one that's right there in the midst of it with you. And I don't think there's a better passage in the entirety of the Bible that speaks to both the wilderness moments that we find ourselves in, those, those difficult moments, those hard moments, those moments that we couldn't have ever planned for, and God's heart for us when we are there. Then Matthew chapter 11, verses 28 through 30. This is Jesus. It's a good place to turn to in the wilderness, right? This is Jesus' words to a group of people who find themselves tired and weary from the wilderness of life. Let's read these together, starting in verse 28 of Matthew chapter 11. It says, come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Like, just, just sit for a moment in that. Come to me, those who are weary and those who are burdened. I will give you rest. Let's keep going, verse 29. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. Then he ends with, my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Now, goodness, this passage is just rich with implications. I mean, there, there's, there's, we could just sit here and just read this over and over again, and that's probably what I should do is just read this over and over again and say, like, do you understand what these words mean? Do you understand the implications for what it, what it means from Jesus' words right here? But the first thing that I wanna point out is what I think one of the greatest joys of the Christian life is that during the wilderness seasons, during the difficult moments, Jesus is there. He is there. He is with you, extending this incredible invitation to come to him, to come to him and find rest for your souls. Now, th this sermon was written for everybody, and I think it applies to us all, but, but on my heart this week were just those who find themselves in the midst of a wilderness moment those who find themselves tired, those who find themselves weary. It was you that was on my heart as I prepared this word. It's those of you who are running on empty. You keep trying to fill up the tank, but you find it on E once again. You're frustrated with the way that life is going. You're discouraged, you're maybe cynical. You maybe find yourself burned out on religion. If you find yourself in any one of these places or any place close to this, somewhere in between. My hope is that this morning, by the power of the Holy Spirit, because he's here, he's with us, using my very broken words, that you will find in Jesus the very thing that your soul is longing for, whether you know it or not. There's moments I realize it, there's moments I don't, that the very thing my soul is longing for is what we find here in Matthew chapter 11, verses 28 through 30. Now, we have to point out, this is an invitation, right? 
This is an invitation from Jesus. And the thing with an invitation is you actually have to accept it. You have to accept the invitation here to uncover the beauty of Jesus' heart for you. Because when you accept the invitation from Jesus to come to him, to learn from him, you will discover a heart for you, I promise, that is better than anything you could have imagined. Each and every time that you come to Jesus, you will discover a heart for you that is even better than anything you could have ever come up with. And what I found to be true on my faith journey, I don't know about y'all, but what I tend to do is I will come to a lot of other different places and a lot of other different people looking for rest. And what I'll do is I come to the end of my rope once again, and I come to these words and I realize, this is it. This is where you find it, even in the midst of the wilderness. I want you to notice the prerequisite here to accept this invitation. It's those who are tired, those who are weary, those who are burdened. It doesn't read, hey, come to me, everyone who is already on the road to recovery. It doesn't read, come to me, those of you who have at least the majority of your life figured out. Those of you who have already gone through the other side of the wilderness and you're better, you're stronger, you're more faith-filled. It doesn't say, come to me, those of you who are in that situation. It says, come to me, those of you who need rest right in the middle of the wilderness journey. This is, this is an invitation for those who've messed up once again, who find themselves wondering, okay, does God actually hold some sort of resentment towards me? Like, am I, am I sure that this invitation is for me? Because I know what I've done. This invitation is for every person who had the greatest intentions for this last year. You set these just amazing goals, the, the ways that you were gonna grow in your faith, and you actually find yourself here this morning more spiritually depleted than when you began. This invitation from Jesus is for you. This invitation is for the person who looks at the world around them, the injustices around them, and they think, is there any way to have hope? Like, I see what's going on around me, and hope doesn't seem possible. This invitation is for you. In other words, this invitation is for normal human beings. Those of us who suffer from a disease called sin and brokenness. Those who need rest, rest in the midst of the wilderness, not just on the other side of the wilderness, but those of you who find yourself right smack dab in the middle of it. And one way or another, I think oh, that's all of us. So we see this invitation from Jesus. He says, hey, I want you to come to me. But don't just come to me. I want you to learn from me. It's a lot about what we talked about last week. When Dave, he unpacked what it looks like to remember the wilderness, to learn in the wilderness. And if you didn't watch it, go back and watch it. Now, Jesus then, in this passage, he makes this really profound statement I've breezed by it a hundred times. I'm like, yes, rest, okay. Yes, like letting my burdens off, yes. But he makes this really profound statement where he talks about his heart. And it's where we're gonna spend the majority of our time this morning. He talks about his heart and he says, I'm gentle and I'm humble. Did you catch that? He says, I'm gentle and I'm humble. So we looked at the invitation it's a beautiful invitation. And now we're gonna look at his identity. So something I think that's really important to know that when the Bible talks about 
the heart. When scripture speaks of the heart, both Old and New Testament, it's not just talking about the emotional core of your being, although that is a part of it. It's referring to the very core of your being itself. It's that central, just animating place of who you are. It's what gets you out of bed in the morning. It's your motivation headquarters. The heart in biblical terms isn't a part of who you are. It's who you are at your very core. Our heart is what directs us. Our heart is what guides us. So do you understand the weight and the gravity of this moment right here from Jesus? When he says his heart, he's talking about like who he is at his core. Because what comes to mind when we think about God is the most important thing about us. A place of deep conviction for me over this past week has been that it's important not just to know the work of Christ and what he did, but who he is. Knowing what Jesus has done, I mean, crucial, vital. We need to have a robust theology there. But what we'll often neglect is who he is in heart. Because the reality is you can know what someone has done, but unless you understand the motivation behind it, you don't get the full picture. So you can ask my wife, Keila, like, there are times when I do the dishes. When I'm doing the dishes from a good heart posture, I'm like, I wanna serve, I wanna love. I'm doing it just quietly, gently. And there's times when I do the dishes and I'm not quite in that great heart place. And you'll hear some clanging and some banging and you'll hear the, the dishwasher rattling a little more because the motivation behind it gives you the full picture of the action in front of it. And so you might know Jesus. You might be in here and on a head level this morning, you're like, okay, I, I know Jesus, son of God. I know that he came into this world. I know that he died on a cross. I know that he rose again. I know that he erased my sins. I know I'm right with God. Check, check, check. But here's the question I'm asking this morning, is do you know Jesus's deepest heart for you? Do you know Jesus's deepest, just his deepest heart for you? I wish I could go around and just say every single name. Like, do you? Do you know what he feels when he thinks about you? When he looks at you, when, as scripture tells us, as he's praying for you at the right hand of the Father, like when he's praying for you, what is it that he feels? See, far too often, I think what we do is we end up drawing this kind of two-dimensional picture of Jesus. You, know, you, can, you can write down the things that he did. You can maybe even quote some of the things that he said, but it's who he is in heart that gives us the three-dimensional, the beautiful, more accurate picture of who Jesus is to each and every one of us. You see, tracking back to last week, you can't embrace God's purposes in the middle of the wilderness unless you also embrace his heart while you are there. You have to understand his heart for you, even in the difficult, unorienting places of life. So who was Jesus at his core? When he extends this invitation, hey, come to me. Like, who is it that we're actually going to? I don't think about this too often, but it's an important question to answer. 
What are you met with in the presence of Jesus? Like most instinctively, most freely, like what flows out of who he is? Because when you're tired, when you're weary, when you're burdened, when you find yourself in the midst of a moment that you never could have predicted, you want to go to the right place. You want to go to the right person. And there's only one place in all four Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, where Jesus speaks to who he is in heart. 89 chapters, one place. Jesus tells us about himself on a heart level. It's here, Matthew chapter 11, verse 29. Now, the reality is, as you can probably draw conclusions from other stories, like you read the Gospels, you're gonna get a picture of who he is, but it's only here that Jesus describes the deepest parts of himself. Now, I'm not telling you this so that you can like crush it next time you're playing Bible trivia with your friends. If you do that, I don't know, maybe. I'm telling you this because this is a pretty important, vital moment here in the scripture. So of all the ways, right, that Jesus could have described himself, all the words he could have chosen, these are the two. When he, he, when he lets us in on who he is most deeply, when he lets us in on the most intercess recesses of his being, what we find there is gentleness and humility, a heart and a person that is gentle and humble. Let that sink in. I don't know what you've been told about Jesus, but at his core, this is who he is. I don't know about you, but if I'm coming up with words to describe Jesus, the Son of God, the, the Messiah, the one who is going to defeat death, the one who is going to return triumphantly, like, these aren't the words that I'm coming up with. I don't know about you, but what words did you write down when you wrote down your words kind of mentally earlier in that exercise about Jesus? For me, th th this isn't it. Like, these aren't the words that come to mind most instinctively. What about powerful and glorious? What about mighty and resilient, exalted and high? In my mind, like, all of these would make more sense for this moment. But Jesus, in his own words, he says, gentle, humble. Are you getting the picture? Now, don't get me wrong. He is all of those things that I just said. Read the book of Revelation. Don't confuse gentle and humble with mushy and soft. He is mighty and resilient. He is powerful and glorious. He is exalted and he is lifted high. But to those who are weary, to those who are burdened, to those who are exhausted, to those who find themselves just at the end of their rope, to those with soft hearts, repentant hearts that are looking for that soul deep rest in God, he is gentle, he is humble. Look at this word gentle with me for, for, for a moment. This word gentle here, it, it occurs three other times in the New Testament. The first one is Jesus preaching the Sermon on the Mount, Matthew chapter five, verse five, where he says, hey, blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. Second place is Matthew 21, where 
Zechariah, the prophet's being quoted, and it said, Jesus, the king, is coming in humble and riding on a donkey. And then this last place is Peter's encouragement to wives to, to nurture more than anything this gentle spirit, so meek, humble, gentle. Hear me, Jesus is not trigger happy. He's not harsh. He's not reactionary. He's, he's not easily exasperated. He is the most understanding person in the universe. The posture most familiar to Jesus is not a pointed finger. The posture that's most familiar to Jesus is open arms. He is the most understanding person in the entire universe. And then we come to this word humble or lowly. Gentle and humble. What what happens here is they overlap a little bit. But together, what they're doing is they're communicating a single reality about Jesus' heart. A single reality about his heart. And so this word humble or lowly, it occurs a number of different times in the New Testament. But typically, this word refers to humility, not in like the virtue sense that, that we've been in, but humility in the sense of destitution or humility in the sense of being thrust downward by life circumstances. It's the word that Paul uses when he says, hey, don't be prideful but associate with those who are lowly. The point in saying that Jesus is humble or lowly is saying Jesus is accessible. I love this quote from Dane Ortland as he's talking about the heart of Jesus. It says, for all his glory, for all his glory and his dazzling holiness, his supreme uniqueness and otherness, no one in human history has ever been more approachable than Jesus. Do you believe that on both a head and a heart level? No prerequisites, no hoops to jump through, the minimum requirement to be embraced by the presence of Jesus is simply this. You have to be open to him. You have to open yourself up to him. You have to come to him. It's all he needs, but really it's the only posture that he's willing to work with. An open, soft heart. I love Eugene Peterson's translation of the Bible and the message. And I really love it for Jesus' words here in Matthew chapter 11. And I wanna use these words to help close out our time together and just to kind of invite us into an action from the reality of who Jesus is in heart. So up on the screen, you'll see these words. It says, are you tired, worn out, burned out on religion? Come to me. Get away with me and you'll recover your life. I'll show you how to take a real rest. Walk with me and work with me. Watch how I do it. Learn the unforced rhythms of grace. I won't lay anything heavy or ill-fitting on you. Keep company with me, and you'll learn to live freely and lightly. Do you, do you see those words? Do you hear the invitation? Are you get a, getting a picture of Jesus' heart for you? He says, hey, get away with me, and you'll recover your life. Hey, get away with me, and you'll actually find the very life that you were made for, that full, abundant life in Jesus that the Scripture promises. He says, hey, keep company with me. 
When you keep company with me, do you know what's going to happen? You're going to learn to live freely. You're going to learn to live lightly. Now, here's the reality. You can't have one without the other. You can't learn to live freely and lightly without keeping company with Jesus. I love that passage of scripture where it makes note of the disciples and it says, oh, the people noticed that they had been with Jesus. Do you know what made that stood out in their minds? They had actually been with Jesus. They had lived into these words. They had accepted the invitation to come to him, to learn from him because they knew on a heart level, it is the best place that they could be. You can't have one without the other. And so I wanna invite you this day, I wanna invite you this week into this way of living. I want us to all as a community to just accept this invitation from Jesus daily because it's a daily decision. It's a daily choice. It's a a daily activity, mind, heart, body, soul, to come to him and learn to live because we're met there with the most incredible heart you will ever find. So this week, a couple of very specific practices because I know like, if you're like me, you're like, amazing. Yes, I want that. How do I, how do I begin to accept that invitation to come to him? I'm just gonna name a couple of things that have been helpful for me and invite you into this every single day this week. Dave started the homework thing last week, so I'm like, yeah, I'm gonna give homework too. Let's do it. So first practice, I want you to read Matthew chapter 11, verses 28 through 30 every single day. You can do it, I promise. Now, here's the thing. I want you to read it, then I want you to sit. I want you to read it, and I want you to sit for five minutes and just meditate on that passage. Read this passage of Scripture every day and meditate on it, think on it, marinate in it for five minutes without your phone. You're like, you can do it, I promise. If your phone is your Bible, grab one of these Bibles on the way out if you don't have one. Take your Bible, yourself, with Jesus, read read this passage of scripture and sit in it for five minutes. What happens when you do that is, is you start to believe it, not only on a head level, but on a heart level. When you meditate on a passage over and over again, you, you, you begin to not just believe it, but believe it in your heart. So that's the first thing. And the second thing I wanna invite you to do is not just meditate, not just read, but actually begin to live this out. One of those practical ways of living out this passage of scripture comes from 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 7, where it says, cast all your anxieties on him because he cares for you. Do you hear that? He cares for you. That's his heart. That's his posture. So what I want to invite you to do is every single day this week, every single moment where you have a burden, you have an anxiety, you are feeling the weight of the wilderness moment that you find yourself in, what I want to invite you to do is I want to invite you to give that burden to Jesus and literally write it down on a napkin, on a piece of paper, in your journal. Like anytime you're feeling a burden, anytime you're feeling a weight, anytime you're feeling anxiety creep up from within you, I want you to write it down and give it to Jesus. This is, what, this is what I'll do. I'll say, Jesus, man, I'm feeling the burden of this family situation. Jesus, I, I'm feeling the burden of what's happening in, in the world around me. Jesus, I'm feeling the burden of blank, and I give it to you. And I give it to you. 
I'm choosing to learn from you and not carry this burden any longer. And then if you're like into like the, the things that help you kind of physically live out a spiritual reality, write it on a piece of paper and literally throw it away. Write it on a piece of paper and throw it away. So you, if you're like me, you're going to have a whole stack of post-it notes where you're like, oh, another burden, here we go, another weight, throw it away. I give it to you, Jesus. And I promise, if, if you will live into these practices, you, you're going to have to make the choice to do it. But if you live into these practices this week, I believe that this passage will start to come alive in your heart, in your life. And here's what I love about what we're getting ready to do and what we do weekly as a church family around communion, around this moment with Jesus where we're living into this passage. Because no matter where we come in each week, there's this moment in our worship gatherings, whether you're at home or whether you're gathered with us, where we say, okay, Jesus, we're coming to you all of who we are. No matter where we find ourselves, we're coming to you because we know that is the place where we will find life. That is the place where we will find rest. Because it's in his presence that we find a heart for you that is far greater, far better than anything I could get up here and describe. And the reality is you just have to embrace it. You just have to accept the invitation. So right now, we're gonna enter into a time of communion together, whether you are online, at home with a group of people or by yourself, or you're in this room right now. We're gonna commune with Jesus together. And here's one very simple thing I want you to do, is I want you to hand over any burden right now in this moment of communion that you no longer need to be carrying. If there's a weight, if there's a burden, if there is just something that's come up in the midst of this wilderness season that we are in, that you need to hand to Jesus, I want you to do that during this time. Gather with the people you're with and, and pray for one another. I'm gonna pray for us now. And we're gonna do that together. So Father, I am grateful for the invitation from Jesus in these words. Jesus, I'm grateful for the reality of what it means for those who are weary, those who are tired, those who are burned out, those who are finding themselves running on empty, like that you are there, that you are waiting, that you are inviting. Jesus, the reality is, is I, I know I, I can't do your heart justice. I can't do you justice. So I'm asking that you keep taking us deeper into who you are by the power of your Holy Spirit. May we be a church that grasps the depths of your love just like that prayer that Joshua prayed out of scripture to begin, that we would know the height, the depth of your love today and moving forward. And so Jesus, the real, the beautiful, gentle, humble Jesus, will you meet us right now? Will you meet each and every person right now where they're at? By the power of your spirit and in your name I pray, together as a whole church we say, amen. Isn't Jesus amazing? I invite you into a time of communion right now. You can circle up your chairs. You can gather with the people you came with. If you're online and watching with us, I encourage you to take this moment uh, to dig a little bit deeper. So right now, let's jump into communion together as a church family.